Hi everyone, my name is Melissa, the host of the Mummy Warriors podcast. This podcast is based on topics that go on behind the world of parenting. Speaking of the unspoken, I upload an episode once a week on a Tuesday with a new topic every single week. I look forward to you tuning in. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Mummy Warriors podcast. Today I'm joined by Dr. Micah Johnson who is the author of the book Never Had a Friend. Hi Micah, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, thank you so much for having me, I appreciate it. No problem, so tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do. So I'm a professor of mental health law and policy and my research, my nine to five is basically a researcher and a professor so Uh, Most of my scientific research revolves around substance misuse and psychological trauma among children and adolescents. And I'm I'm particularly concerned about children and adolescents who end up in the criminal justice system, particularly in the U.S. context or in American context. Mm -hmm. What is the main basis of speaking with these adolescents and kids that have ended up in the the criminal justice system right so I think it's one of it's a it's a it's a journey for me it's a it's a my, my goal is is rooted in um being a teacher you know I started in public school as a teacher I trained to be a teacher and I studied child psychology mm-hmm. and I was really interested in underserved children and their families because I come from that sort of background and um, it just took me you know when I was a teacher there's a lot of things I realized that I didn't understand about social issues and that's sort of what uh, encouraged me to pursue my PhD in the first place and so what the ultimate goal is for me to for me I think in my work is to humanize kids I think when kids go through things they lose in the public eye they lose their humanity and they lose that sense of compassion. Right. And but they're still kids. They just live in very harsh environments and they have a lot of trauma, but they're still kids and they're still people and they still deserve love. So that's kind of like my mission, trying yeah. to humanize kids and then inform people of who they are, what their challenges are and how we can best help them. What would you say inspired you to even want to try and look deeper into these kids? Um, I'm assuming a lot of the adolescents that you've spoken to may have had or been charged with quite maybe violent crimes or, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you know, the, the stereotype of like if someone cr- commits a, a violent crime that automatically they're labelled as a bad person, someone who you can't work with. Uh, what inspired you to even want to help? Well, I was one of those kids that they said those things about, you know, before I was Dr. Johnson, I was just a, a hurt, traumatized, scared kid named Micah mm-hmm. living in extremely disadvantaged areas. And um, I grew up in a world where people didn't see much in me. Right. And I, I had a choice. Do I, do I further internalize the way the world is, perceives me? Or do I think everybody's wrong? Right. And um, but there were people that entered my life. And unfortunately, it wasn't like many people, but there were like these earth angel sort of characters that entered my life and they just believed in me. And they sort of they saw something great in me. They encouraged me. And um, and from that little love and compassion and kindness and mentorship, I was able to pro- propel to the next level. And 
now things are very different, you know, as I'm, uh, went to college and became a scientist and a professor it's like the world looks at me completely different but my whole life i'm still the same really kid come that yeah. comes from that disadvantage yeah so that's like my, my passion and my my connection to it is that i know i was once one of those kids and i was one mistake away from being um labeled, labeled as that that criminal that, right. that that stigma and and it's difficult to come out of that once you have that label attached to you it's quite inspiring as well because I suppose when you speak to those kids that are in a position where they probably think their life is over, um, seeing someone like yourself who's grown up in a similar background um, where you can relate to them um, must inspire them to to want to change as well. What are the what are the things that you when you're speaking to these adolescents, what are the main things that's, that's brought up in conversation that brought them or led them to the that sort of road or that sort of path in life? Not all the kids that live in disadvantage and harsh environments or that have a lot of trauma, they, they a lot of them don't end up doing really terrible crimes mm-hmm. uh, because they do have like those sources of joy and protection in their lives, whether it be close friends, family support, maybe they have uh, intelligence and personal protective factors that kind of keep them away from a dark path. Mm-hmm. But if you want to talk about some of the extreme cases, and I got to tell you, I really chat with some extreme cases. I, I've been to death row several times meeting with people. Wow. I've, a lot of the clients and people I've talked to have it's a lot of drugs. It's a lot of gun violence. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the people were, were committed murder um, right. or were charged with murder. And, but I can tell you the thing that comes up all the time, I haven't encountered a case yet, particularly when it comes to um, inner city youth. I haven't encountered a case yet that the kid didn't have, or that person didn't have an extremely traumatic childhood. Right. I'm talking about something like heartbreaking how did you survive this trauma? Right. So now you see that direct correlation between right. trauma and behavioral health. And by trauma, I mean these deeply distressing experiences that occur, uh, sexual abuse, physical abuse, extreme right. forms of physical abuse, right. uh, parental neglect, emotional abuse, some of the things that are terrible. Yeah. Um, and so that's a part of my work is talking to them and then explaining their story to folks. That's what I mean by that humanization piece. It's like, right. let me tell you who you're dealing with because the court system in America, and I imagine the UK is similar. It's like, you know, you see a person there and they that, that prosecutor, that whole system, just their whole thing is see a demon. Yep. And you can never do no, you are defined you are. by whatever you're being accused of. Yeah. And it's horrible. Yeah. And these, were, these are people who in context, you would say, man, it's, it's amazing that you've only sold drugs. I mean, I, I say that a lot, like, man, it's, it's for someone right. with this type of experience, you only sold drugs, right? you know, because there usually is more severe behavioral health and be, be crimes that are committed uh, with that type of trauma. I think it's quite amazing that you can strip away the crime and go delve deeper into the person. And I'm sure they appreciate it too, because maybe they would have it's something they've never spoke of have you ever had an instance where you're the first person they've actually spoken their truth to it actually happens all the time and it, and it sometimes is tragic mm-hmm. there was one um situation where because some of these people are a little bit older but w- the discussions we have are about what they experienced when they were children 
there was a situation where this guy was like 40. He's older than me. He's like 45 or something. And uh, this is the first time he told his story. And it involved um, like literally, a, he, you know, he was, um, he had been taken advantage of and victimized by multiple men. Mm-hmm. And um, he had incredible traumatic uh, childhood and background. He had never uttered those words to anybody in 20 years. 20 wow. years he had to hold on to that. Wow. And here he is in court. Um, he sold drugs so that he can gain some sense of worth and stability. Right. And in his environment, that was the marketed way for success. Right. And they're looking at snatching his life away, like 30 years of his life. Uh, right. <laughs> because what he did, but they 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 didn't even consider the, the context of where he was living. So there's a lot of that. And then like... Um, you know, it, it's really painful. It was a young guy too. Um, I've seen 17 year olds, 18 year olds, 19 year olds who have these crazy stories and they they just, they just never, no one ever asked. It's not that they're being macho, which I thought is what it was. I thought it was like this real, like, I'm a gangster and I, I'm not, yeah. gonna, I'm a man, you know, uh-huh. and, but I'm a man and they sit there and they talk to me about it. And then when I try to ask them, like, you know, have you, have you talked to someone about this? It was like, no one ever asked. No. You know, it's just, or they say something even worse. Sometimes they'll say that's the way it is. Like they accept that this is the norm. Right. And it, it is, it's bizarre for people who are outside of these areas to yeah. like, it's hard to even fathom that people, this is their life, you know? Right. And that's, I suppose, with what we were speaking about uh, previously when we had our pre-podcast meeting about speaking to our kids um, and, and having a conversation with our kids about things that, are difficult um, and speaking about subjects to find out what's going on in their head and their mind and not waiting till it's gone so far that I mean you're having a conversation with kid they're really just kids deep down inside that this conversation should have been had ages ago years ago before it reached to the point where they're now their life could be taken away for 30 years and it doesn't always have to be that way. I, I, gem- I mean, I watch a hell of a lot of documentaries, especially prison documentaries, because I just find them intriguing anyway. But I find it so amazing that these, not- there's more of the solution is send them to jail rather than mm-hmm. trying to reform and, and trying to change or create a change in pattern it's just like send them to jail that they need to go to jail where right. it doesn't fix the problem at all it creates a bigger problem in England we don't have a life sentence per se yes you get sent to jail for like 20 years good behavior are out in 10 as I was um, saying before, I think it's amazing that you get to have these conversations with these these kids and maybe you by you having a conversation, that could be day one of them trying to look back, process, heal and come to terms with what brought them there in the first place. Because as you mentioned earlier, you could have gone down that road as well. I mean, we, how important do you think it is for us as parents and adults to have conversations with with our kids that um, are not comfortable? That that is one of the most important things I think, and um, I think it's important because for two main reasons. One, 
people experience things. People experience nasty people. They experience just life happening to them, a loss, failure, uh, humiliation. And I think that parents are, I think the best way is for kids not to learn that in the world, in real time. I think if those conversations are had in the home as they're young, people mentally prepare and can better be prepared for when they experience stressors. Um, And I think it's key for that reason, but for two, so that people learn character education. I mean, if kids are learning that in this world, some people have bad days and they can be they can be unkind. Mm-hmm. And then, and, 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 but there are other people who seem to never have bad days. And even when they have bad days, they're still kind. Right. Th- this is the character education. So when we look at the world and we say, man, the world is kind of, it's kind of, you know, uh, it's not as kind as, and it's not as peaceful as it could be, you know, mm-hmm. with all the comforts in the world. Right. And I think that that has to do with a, a lack of an investment in character education and and parent in the parenting process and it's not because people don't want to do it it really doesn't come natural and it's difficult Mm -hmm. and a lot of parents struggle and i've seen this for my many years teaching and then i've seen this as a researcher parents struggle to have those conversations with their children it's one of the toughest things in the world especially if the child uh, may have experienced something and Mm -hmm. in, in certain communities it's you sweep it under the rug and you never talk about it. Yeah. And in every family, I, I think that's a saying that in every family, there's things you don't talk about. Well, that is a big problem, yeah. especially among family. So yeah. what I, th- that's the whole point of this book is that the book never had a friend. I was just pondering for how do we sort of invest in character education before they get deep down into the school system where it's kind of too late. Mm -hmm. And then when teachers try to fill that role, they're not the best suited for it. Mm -hmm. And kids have already experienced things. So I'm thinking, how can we invest in character education in the parenting process? How can I help parents become the heroes to have those conversations? And I say heroes because I've noticed a lot of people when they talk about the great moments in their life and when they're praising their parents as their heroes, they don't talk about things like my parents cooked the best food for me or my parent um, taught me how to tie my shoe or my parent, you know, they say things like, I remember when my mom taught me what it's like to have tolerance. I remember my mom taught me what it, what, what kindness and friendship was. Mm-hmm. And, and that is why that's my hero. You know, those types of things resonate with people because those yeah. moments, the, that character development, it truly defines who we are. And there's yeah. something inside of us that we know that that's the good stuff. That is what's really valuable in the human experience mm-hmm. is how do we connect with one another and how do we treat each other? Yeah. That's the whole purpose of the book. I wanted to make it easier to sort of stimulate these difficult conversations in a way that seemed really comfortable and it's through a book. So it's like, you can just automatically, a child's curiosity will, they'll ask questions. And then there's certain things that are subtle that a parent would have to understand. So that's sort of making that communication process a lot more easy to do and a little bit more comfortable. Right. I mean, I, I completely can see and understand with what you're talking about in terms of like having certain conversations with my own son that are uncomfortable. And I guess so each parent sort of has that that power and that I shouldn't call it power, but they have that right and that liberty to decide 
when is I think when is is okay. Mm-hmm. But whether you should have it or not, I think we're past that point. I think um I think those conversations need to be had at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, you know, I, I, I do know that those are very difficult, um, but that's the point. I think that, so it's not a call for people to like find that courage uh-huh. <laughs> because we, we're going to have, we have to, but I think it's one of the situations where we have to just say, okay, let's think about how do we get materials in the house? That's sort of like, yeah. that's the whole point of these fables. I mean, that, uh-huh. that really is the whole point is that we're trying to, with, with children's books, with fables and all these things we've been handed down in our cultures. Um, it's about something difficult, difficult conversations, a really profound concepts, but you're putting it in a format that's digestible for children. Uh-huh. And so we, we learn these ideas and these virtues and these principles as children because people put it in a format. So for me, I think there needs to be more children's books that sort of touch on these things. And there's been a ton on racism because of the, the massive movements and social awareness uh-huh. around the world. Uh-huh. But there needs to be more conversations on things like touching, inappropriate yeah. touching. It really, it, you know, there, <laughs> there's brilliant storytellers, there's brilliant educators out there. Uh-huh. And I, but I think that people just do not want to accept that their children live in this world. Yeah. But that's, that's a problem because people know that life is hard. Yeah. Parents struggle, parents experience jobs, loss, humiliation, homelessness, abuse, but they don't realize that their children experience these things with them. Right. And that's that vicarious trauma. So these children are, these children are experiencing the ill, the ills of life and they aren't particularly ignorant to them. You know, they may not talk about these things, but they know. And they may not fully understand, but when they get older, they'll understand. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's okay for parents to know that we it's okay to ex- introduce the kids to know that, listen, things happen and it's yeah. okay. It's yeah. okay. And it, and it doesn't have to define you. And it doesn't have to uh, be something that deeply moves you, but these things happen and you just have to be prepared for it and to decide the type of person you're going to be. Yeah. Decided the, the how you're going to handle it. That's what makes you a person. I think that character education is key. I think it's key. Yeah, and I, I definitely would have to agree with you as well in terms of because I always look at how the man I want my son to be. That's essentially what it is. I mean, if we all, if, if most people just try to invest in their children to make the world that they want to live in or make the world the way they think it should be, mm-hmm. I think things will change in a positive way. Um, I just think that, you know, there's so many pulls on parents, right? Parents get pulled in different different directions. And, um, you know, character education is one of the things that that are neglected. And it's easy to neglect these things, too, because they're cute and they're uh-huh. your children. You love them so much. And uh-huh. sometimes parents cannot even see any flaws in their children whatsoever. They're yeah, like guilty about that needs. sometimes. <laughs> but even if they are perfect, you can still have conversations with them about these. These are things like so this book never have a friend with the homelessness piece of it. It's like um maybe that's too real or too too much for a parent to want to say there's kids that there's people in the world who don't have as much resources right um but you know how important it is for a kid to hear that to like understand that okay there's people with us there's only so many resources in the world and some people have more than others Mm-hmm. So what does that mean for me? Well, that means you have to, regardless of what kind of resources someone has, we treat everyone with kindness. We try yeah. to be polite. Oh, I love that. That's, that's it. You know, and, and that, and kids, and, and, and that, instilling that in a young person, they grow up with that embedded in them and they know. 
you know that that kindness is key um but kids learn to bully very young and and that's why i'm always fascinated by parents who say things like well i'm not talking to my kid about that i've had people not talk to me anymore because um this one person was in middle school mm-hmm. had a daughter in middle school and i was asking them about adderall like do you know do you know that adderall is like a thing in middle school kids are like they're vaping and they're taking Adderall because it's it's becoming more popular now mm-hmm. as a study drug, you know. And he just shut me down. The fact that his daughter may know. I didn't say she did it. I say she may <laughs> know of it, right? And he was, you know, he was so, so offended. Defend- yeah. Know. And I was thinking, man, in middle school, these they're exposed to the entire world. They just yeah. don't talk to you about it. And, yeah. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like you 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 have to you have to have these difficult conversations with yeah. You. And you also kids have kids have a tendency to be a different person when they're not in front of their parents. So we may know them as being one way, but they're someone completely different when they're at school. And then they're obviously they're exposed to different things at school. So coming back to your book, if they're given these tool tools from young or early then they understand exactly how to handle themselves exactly when they're out of your earshot and eye shot what is the age range for the book right so thank you for that i put a lot of um, thought into the age range and i i really was thinking about parents when i wrote this book and i was thinking a parent will decide this is one of the rare books where the author may not decide but the parent may decide if this is where my child is, but I originally wrote it for uh, K through five with the emphasis on, um, well, K through, I'm using the, the, the American, but it's like five through 12. I wanted that range of like five through 12, 12. And it's based on where your child is. Cause some child's are very, some children are very advanced at five mm-hmm. and um, some children, the vocabulary and the lessons are still relevant well into 12 or 13 or even older. So um, I wanted to have a nice range, five to 12 years old mm-hmm. is, a, is, a, is a good range for it. Okay. And could you just give us a little rundown of what we can find in the book and sort of subjects that touched upon in the book? Absolutely. So it's uh, it's actually brought me more joy <laughs> and <laughs> excitement than anything else I've done. Um, and I didn't expect that, but this is a story of a very hopeful kid who's all alone, uh, except for he, he's living with a single parent and he's, they move, they relocate. So obviously they're, they have low income. Um, they don't have a lot of resources and he moves all the time and he can't find friendship because he's always a new kid. Mm-hmm. And, um, but he, he has this hopefulness to him. He dances, he sings around and he's just thinking about friendship even though he's in in the context of just going through adversity. And some of the adversity he goes through, besides being uh, bullied, uh, he experienced homelessness, he experiences um, some mental anguish from from, uh, experiencing homelessness and bullied. And he, you know, and so what I wanted to do with that, well, he he goes to talk to a nurse because I wanted kids to know if you ever feel not okay Uh and you don't know what it is, you go see a nurse, whether it be uh-huh. your physical body, your mental body, whatever it is, uh-huh. it's okay to go get help. That's such a powerful lesson uh-huh. uh, for young people to understand and for adults. But I'm saying it's starting yeah. young. Yeah. It's like if you ever feel that you're hurt to a point where you don't know what's wrong, go see someone. Uh-huh. And because of the age range, I said a nurse. But the part of it that's that's cool is that even when, when he gets to a point where he's losing that spark 
and that optimism, he encounters and, and discovers the phenomenal and immeasurable human capacity for compassion. And I'll, I'll leave it there, but so yeah. that, that's what it's about. And so I want kids, I want parents to have discussions about homelessness, about poverty. You don't have to really say kids live on the streets. They can say it in a way that's developmentally appropriate say some kids just don't have resources right. and some kids don't have really nice houses to sleep in. Right. And, um, and, and, and we just need to know that. And those people need our, our kindness. Yeah. And for those kids that may be experiencing those things, because there are kids out there who experience that they see themselves in this book and then people can say, let's look, look at how this person is still optimistic and still going through these challenges. Yeah. So it is about poverty, homelessness. It's about, uh, it's, it's subtly about uh, depression. It doesn't say the word depression, but it's but you can... subtly in there. Yeah. And it's about the number one thing it's about is friendship. Right. How friends, quality people in your life who care about you can protect you from the worst conditions in the world. No matter how hard life is, if people have that kindness or that that pleasant, loyal, or that that very strong bond with one person only, that can protect them and catapult their life in a positive direction. And that's my story. My story is 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 being in. It's my story. You know, um, wow. I was in the homeless shelters. I experienced depression, bullying, bias at a young age. Right. And I discovered that. I discovered that human capacity in my friends and my teachers and just strangers that bestowed upon me a tremendous amount of character, concern, and care. Mm -hmm. I found that and that catapulted my life in a very different direction. And I'm so grateful. And in science, we call it social support, you know, we yeah. call it protective factors, right? You know, the protective qualities or protective mechanisms and the moderating mm -hmm. effects of social support. But what we really mean is just friendship. Yeah good friends, even if you just got one good friend, yeah, that can be that thing that saves you and shields you from the elements. And that's important because especially in, in today's time, we're so isolated and there's yeah. a culture of individualism. And then we have social media that creates that human distance and kids are more shy now. Kids are not yeah. talking to each other as much. We must not lose that friendship piece of our societies and of our of that human experience because it is so important mm -hmm. to help us get through the darkness and the hard times so so true because it, it only takes one strong figure in someone's life who's going through something to literally change their outlook perspective optimism i hope people check it out and i hope i hope it resonates with families i mean that's you know i think that that's a, a really important piece it's like let's talk about some let's have some difficult conversations and you you mentioned earlier about people these kids being someone else at school it's because because youth have their own culture youth are real with each other sometimes uh -huh. too real uh -huh. and then you have parents that tiptoe around and have secrets and, uh -huh. and okay it's okay to have secrets but still it's like if they live in a real world that you've never talked to them about, you're going to lose credibility and yeah. they're going to not be real around you. They're going to give you whatever you want. But I think that that conversation could generate that bonding to where you, you don't have that identity crisis where kids feel like I have to be someone different because my mom is, or my dad and my, my, my uh, guardian is so perfect. They're so innocent. Yeah. They don't even want to talk about the, the the challenges and I think that you know build those relationships early and um, 
we'll have better people in the world who can yeah. see themselves in a conflict. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to, um, I really wanted kids to kind of, because kids do that, put themselves in stories. I wanted them to put themselves in a story and decide, um, who, who am I in a story, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and if I was in a story, what would I do differently? Because we all wanted to be the good guys and the heroes when we were young. Yeah. And I hope kids want to see themselves as these amazing people who decided to be kind to someone yeah. who needed kindness the most. Mm-hmm. And that is it. If we can just do that thing, if we could just be kind to the people who need the compassion the most, uh, we would be one step closer to peace. Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I think it was an amazing conversation. Um, all the details for your book will be in the description of the podcast. So listeners can go straight ahead and purchase it via Amazon. Is that correct? It's on Amazon. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Just want to say thank you for being so real and so open um, with the conversation. It was a delightful conversation. I really enjoyed it. Okay. And folks, please find me on social media. Um, you can find me on all social media platforms. It's Dr. Micah Johnson, all written out. I'm sure um, she'll post a link somewhere. Seeing everybody and connecting with them. Thank you so much for this. This was, this was a blessing. No problem. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you for joining this week's episode. Please feel free to subscribe. You can also leave a comment. I would love to hear what your points of views are. You can also follow me on Instagram at Mummy Warriors. And you can also have a chance to be a guest on the show by visiting my website www.themummywarriors.com. All details will be at the bottom of the podcast. Look forward to seeing you next week.